you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, it's Oliver here and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. This is episode 23. I've just come out of Retail Week Live 2019. Now this is a big event for the UK's retail leadership and it was a great success. The purpose was to help retail leaders to network, give new ideas and inspire people to drive retail forward. It's a two-day event and there were over 160 speakers sharing insights on everything from consumer trends and marketing to the next generation, through to how to build brand loyalty, through to how to create positive workplace cultures that are ready for change, and a whole lot more. If it's going on in retail, it was there at Retail Week Live. And whilst I was there, I was absolutely delighted to catch up with today's special guest. So today, we're lucky to be joined by Retail Week's executive editor, George McDonald. Together, we dived into all sorts of topics, from some of the golden nuggets shared on Retail Week Live, through to retail trends over a long period, plus some of the key things that you need to do to make sure that your retail business stays relevant and will continue to thrive in the future. So just before we get going, do remember to hit subscribe if you've not already done so, and that way you won't miss any future episodes. So on to my catch up with George McDonald, and I do have to warn you, this is a two-parter. Today is part one, and next time episode 24 is going to be part two. So that's one of the reasons why you want to hit subscribe right now, right? If you've not already done so, hit subscribe and don't miss out on part two. So without further ado, here is my catch-up with George McDonald. So today I'm excited to be joined by the man known across the retail industry, quite simply as George. It's like some sort of musical superstar I'm sitting next to. He is the executive editor of Retail Week. So welcome. George McDonald to the Retail Transformation Show. It's great to have you. How are you? Uh, very well. Thanks for having me. We're here at Retail Week Live. We're recording. We've just come out of a great session with Alex Bullock from Dixon's Carphone. And yesterday when we kicked off, we heard the theme was survival of the fittest. And there have been some great examples of how retailers are transforming to become fit. But we're in a state of flux and change across retail. Everyone is talking about how they're evolving, how they are transforming. What do you think, George, are the biggest shifts going on in retail right now? Um, I, I think there's a couple of really big things that um, I would flag. Uh, the first one isn't particularly new, but it's still causing so much disruption. And that is the impact of new technology and how that's con changing uh, consumer behavior and expectations. And I think the other thing is uh, what people are choosing to spend on. You know, there's much more competition now for disposable spend from the leisure sector, you know, whether it's restaurants or long weekends, all these sorts of things. 
Um, and retailers uh, have to really remind themselves of their purpose, I think, um, and really approach it almost, well, in a simple rather than a simplistic way. Um, as Alex Baldock mentioned in the, the session you just referred to, you need a really good answer to the question, what are you for? And I think uh, everything these days starts from that. You know, when times were good, you didn't really have to think too hard about that question. There was plenty of cake for everybody. Sure. Um, whereas now there's much greater competition for that cake, not just from retailers, but from other types of business. And, you know, really powerful new competitors, things like Spotify, the amount of time that people spend on their smartphones. You know, time is uh, a competitor these days, I think. It sure is. And it's certainly something that people have felt pressured time-wise for quite a number of years. But I just want to touch on that competitive element. Yeah. There are so many competitors now in the marketplace that are not the classic classic retailers. Your Netflix, for example, have eroded what was that classic DVD market that so many retailers did used to, to champion. Yeah. And they've suffered and that, that has declined. Um, the same as, as Spotify, for example. And I think a number of retailers perhaps have been a bit slow to react to how these new competition or this, this new competitive landscape, I should say, how it's evolved. Mm -hmm. What are your reflections? Why, why have retailers been a little behind the curve, do you think? Uh, I think they were originally caught a bit off guard because uh, some of these new companies, let's take Amazon, um, you know, they came from uh, nowhere. They grew very fast. Uh, and one of the reasons for that was that it turned out that they knew consumers better than the retailers. You know, traditionally, the retailers had things uh, much more to themselves. They were the ones who knew about customers. But expectations have been transformed by companies like Amazon and Spotify at every single level from the range that is available to the prices that are offered right through to delivery options that would have been inconceivable really not much more than a decade ago. What is going to make any retailer stand out? And the fact is, despite um, us, us talking about companies like Amazon and Spotify, the lion's share of retail sales still goes through shop. Technology, uh, things like search might play a part, uh, but equally the shop still plays a really important part. And so then what is it about a shop which can be really made the most of to create a competitive advantage against um, some of the, the new arrivals? So, you know, in some ways it is the fact that it's there. It can offer things like click and collect. Um, but the other thing that I think is sometimes overlooked, not made enough of, is uh, the role of the person these days. Uh, you know, the, staff, the colleague in store. Exactly, the colleague, the staff member. You know, they can make a difference, especially when you're getting into any sort of area of discretionary spend. Um, and I think it's been interesting to hear over the last couple of days. It's come up a, a few times uh, the difference that people can make. Uh, you know, that is not to downplay the importance of technology, uh, the rise of multi-channel at all. You know, all these digital things. Actually, these days, more and more, they're just a given. It's the exceptions, people like Primark and Aldi that don't trade online, which, which are proving uh, the rule. And so, you know, sense of purpose backed by great colleagues 
uh, you know, it was interesting that Alex Baldock talked about how they're investing in their people. He said you actually can't afford not to. And uh, we hear a lot, understandably, about rising costs like the living wage. Um, but you can turn that around. Okay, you've got this cost. So it is therefore really worthwhile to make sure you are getting payback on that. And, you know, that is all through, or very much through, having really excellent people. Uh, and, you know, people like John Lewis and other retailers putting more and more emphasis on experience in store. You really need good people to be able to deliver that. You need good people to be able to explain complex uh, products, all these sorts of things. I think it's really exciting. For a long time, retailers have been saying our people are our assets or our greatest asset, which has been great, but perhaps it's been a little lip service, shall we say, a bit of a buzzword. Yeah. But now more and more retailers really do seem to be getting after how do they excite their colleagues? How do they mm. make it a fun place to work? Give them purpose, something that is really important for retailers and retail teams. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, the whole world is changing, isn't it? Attitudes uh, about all sorts of things are completely different from they would have been just a few years ago. Uh, we see that in all sorts of areas. And so one of the effects of that is that I think the world is much less hierarchical and retail sort of has to become so too. That does not mean there isn't people in charge of things or a board. Um, but I think actually to be in tune with contemporary customers, it's ever more important that you're sort of in tune with your colleagues. Recently, I interviewed Paul March and the boss of Primark, and he made what I thought was a really interesting point. You know, he said that uh, he thinks or, and tries to learn as much from the people who work alongside him or below him as he ever does from anybody who's been a mentor or his own boss. Uh, and uh, that really, uh, I thought that was a really good point, actually, um, because apart from anything else, if you've got close connection and understanding of your colleagues, you are automatically going to be closer to your customers, I think, because, you know, they're customers of yours and of everybody else's. I was thinking the other day, I was in um, a Tesco Express and I saw one of the people who works for another supermarket uh, nearby um, that I often go to, she was in Tesco Express doing her shop. And I just thought to myself, why is that? You know, <laughs> she works in one grocer, um, but she hasn't done her shopping there. And she had two full bags. Uh, so that sort of said to me, there's something a bit, there's something a bit disconnected there. That person clearly doesn't see value in the store which she works, other than it gives her a wage. I wonder what she would have to say to the chief executive of that particular grocer about um, why she shop in the way she does. I think it's, there's a, a lot of powerful lessons to be learned by going back to the shop floor, getting closer to that customer touch point rather than that sort of classic sitting in the ivory tower analogy. I'd like to take a, a slightly different perspective or a different direction now, George, if that's okay. So you've been with Retail Week since 1998. Yeah, which a long time. You, you've seen some phenomenal changes. So if we were to just rewind the clock back to 1998, Tesco were keen to promote 24-hour shopping because customers still back then didn't have enough time. So 24-hour shopping was the answer. There was another uh, small company that just launched in the UK 
Um, they're called Amazon.co.uk. I'm not sure what whatever happened to them, but they were just starting out. It seems crazy that actually Amazon's not quite been an overnight success. It's been building for a long time. Yeah. How do you think the retail market has shifted in those two decades that you've been at Retail Week and observing it? And how do we think it's going to shift going forward? Yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about um, time and, you know, I think time is moving ever faster. Uh, so when I started, yeah, you're right about the 24-hour opening. Um, but when I started, uh, you know, that was when Tesco was opening a lot of extra hypermarket. Um, and a lot of the other retailers, the general merchandisers, were really worried and up in arms about it because people would go into Tesco and buy a TV as well as um, their, their food. It's that um, one-stop shop. Exactly. Having an enormous share yeah. of that. Yeah, but that everyone thought pound. that was the future. Everyone thought that Tesco had seen the future and it rolled out this fantastic offer and it was taking share from every type of retailer, not just grocers. And then within 15 years, that format was being questioned. Did it have a future, people were asking, uh, because of the rise of um, Amazon and others like it. So, you know, what Amazon have been great at, you know, they've been really true throughout to uh, their, their original promises, I think. So things like convenience, value, uh, they've reshaped the landscape in that respect. So now it's common that uh, multi-channel retailers in their stores, you know, they won't allow Amazon to beat them on price on, on comparable products. That's become a, a given. And I think that actually it's those sorts of factors that will continue to change retail. It's things like um, convenience. Uh, you know, at the moment, there's a bit of a, some retailers and retail property companies are very much keying into the trend of urbanization, um, which is a, a global trend. Uh, so you've got people like uh, IKEA have uh, developed stores that work in urban locations, and that's there at the heart of their strategy now. You've got retail property companies thinking, oh, what should we do with that car parking space because we might not need so much of it um, because people are shopping in different ways. Again, urbanization has been explicitly uh, linked to, to some of these um, changes. So, uh, you know, that need for convenience, you know, that desire for convenience, especially when people feel, whether it's true or not, when they feel they don't have much time, is going to continue to be uh, valued, I think. Uh, one of the other things that gets a bit overlooked, uh, but the point was made here over the last day or two, is actually the importance of product in the end. You know, if, if you've got something nobody wants to buy, it doesn't matter whether you're online, whether you've got the best fulfillment offer proposition in the world, you actually need good product and that can be overlooked. Uh, and again, you know, it gives you that sort of sense of... Um, distinction from others if you have either products that is exclusive or of uh, undisputed quality and you know it, it's not a new thing but it just continues to dominate behavior is you know things like the smartphone you look at some of the companies that are emerging elsewhere so for instance um in uh, africa there's a company called jumia yeah. Um, and it's planning a listing in New York, and the talk is it might be valued at a billion dollars. 
uh, you know, it's only, I think it's less than 10 years old, um, but it, it's built its business, uh, you know, around the increasing adoption of the smartphone. You know, stuff like the smartphone has, um, as a product, it's become democratised and what it has given people access to is more than ever before. And, you know, I think that will continue to be the case. And then the other thing, uh, and again, maybe it fits in a bit with this sort of sense of what does time mean to people? How do they value it? Uh, They do want good experience. So I think there'll be increasing blurring of the lines between um, retailers and other types of business. Um, You know, what sort of experience can a retailer offer? So we were hearing uh, yesterday from Rafa, you know, they don't call their shop shops they call them uh, i think clubhouses Clubhouses, yeah and people come there and use the store even when it's not open and they're happy for that to happen and the benefit to them of 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 creating that sense of membership of a club is that you know they do get the sales as a result uh, but it's built around a different way of looking at the consumer Um, and i think uh, you know that sort of blurring of the lines of what is a shop what happens there to what extent are you going there for services and just to meet people or do something uh, is going to play an ever more important part, I think. You always need to make sure that you're not missing the wood from the trees. You know, people at Aldi and Primark are doing well because they're true to a fundamental proposition. They, they, they have are, a goal, yeah. they have a purpose, yeah. and they're sticking to it yeah. with a laser-like focus. Exactly. It's great prices, it's great product. Uh, and at the moment, shoppers are completely happy to go to a shop in order to get those benefits. So although it's such a time of transformation, you're exactly right. You know, what is the purpose? What is the point of a retailer's existence? And you know, the various models that are all being uh, either implemented or tried out show that there's all sorts of ways of approaching this. And there is lots of opportunities But again, you know, to go back and start from the customer as opposed to perhaps, you know, what you have traditionally done. What you've traditionally done might be brilliant. Don't stop doing it. But if, as a lot of retailers are finding, you know, if if the market's moving around you, then you need to change with it and be adaptive don't don't be left behind no now i just want to pick up there's so many so many different directions we could have we could uh could go in and in, in what you've just shared but uh one of the, the elements i wanted to pick back on was rafa the exclusive bike store um i'm not a cyclist myself no but, not me but i was uh talking to sarah clark there uh who was talking yesterday mm. and i love the community that they're rebuilding really i think that's a a fantastic way that they have a purpose mm. of building a community of cyclists, people that are passionate, yeah. the people they employ, their teams are passionate about bikes and cycling, yeah. their customers are passionate. They want to build and connect everyone together. That's a great example. Primark and Audi, you've given those examples. They know what they do and they do it very well. Amazon, convenience, they know what they do. So all of these retailers are laser-like focus. And I think that's so important for all of all of you listening. If you're if you're a retailer and perhaps you've taken your eye off the ball, perhaps your focus is a bit muddled, then that is a great starting place to go back and say, what is it we're doing and how do we need to shift and change 
Yeah, completely agree. So that was the first part of my catch up with George MacDonald. And make sure that you tune in next week for episode 24 when we continue the conversation. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I found it really interesting when we looked back at what's happened over the past 20 years and some of the similarities, but also differences that have occurred. It makes me think of a couple of things. Number one is if you see a change, you've got to get after it. You've got to make it happen because you could get left behind. And the second thing is you've got to stay adaptable. You've got to stay relevant. And that means having a purpose, knowing who you're serving and just doing a great job at helping those people, those customers to really solve their problems. What were your key takeaways? I'd love to know. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or send me an email, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And incidentally, if you want to get in touch with George, the best place to find him is on Twitter, at George MacD. Now, I'm going to put George's Twitter handle, as well as some of the other topics that we've discussed, over at the show notes at obandco.uk slash 23. That's obandco.uk slash 23. So before we wrap up, just a quick reminder, please do subscribe. I do enjoy catching up with you every single week and I love when you message me as well just to tell me what you're thinking, which bits you like and any suggestions for making the show even better. So feel free to get in touch with those bits of feedback as well. So hit subscribe, tune in next week for part two of my catch up with George MacDonald. And until then, have a great week and I'll catch you next time. (laughs) 